Welcome to the Feel Strong Fitness Podcast. Feel Strong creates one-on-one solutions for committed people without wasting time or compromise. We build and rebuild motivated individuals using programs designed exclusively for them. On today's podcast, we have Michael Cashew. Michael was on a team that won back-to-back CrossFit games. He co-founded Brute Strength. He co-owns Working Against Gravity with his wife, Adi, and he's founded Soul Searching Adventures. Michael is an amazing writer and podcaster who's been in the fitness, wellness, CrossFit space for some time. If you aren't already listening to the Michael Kaz podcast, I strongly suggest it. I was very excited and I'll admit a little intimidated to have Michael on the podcast, but he was open, generous, and gave us the space to go deep on self-auditing, working to build people up, and checking your ego as a leader. I'm so excited to have Michael Kaju on this week. Michael Kaju, welcome to the Feel Strong Podcast. Thanks for having me, man. I'm stoked to be here. I I am excited to have you here. Uh, so I feel like I have to tell you before we get started that I am a fan and I've been a fan for a while. Uh, I remember watching Hacks Pack at the Affiliate Cup, the CrossFit Games, where you won back-to-back. I have paid brute strength for several training programs and enjoyed it. And I love, you're so good at podcasting. And I know you do a bunch of it. But I haven't heard enough people talk about how good you are at it. And I think my impression is one of the reasons that I really like listening to you is that you seem genuinely interested in other people. Dude, thank you so much for all of those kind words. That, that, yeah, that just feels so great to hear. Well, it's, and it's meaningful. Like you, I feel like you ask questions that not everyone does off their like bullet list of questions. And I am admitting right now, I got a bullet list of questions right here. Sure. But you seem really good at connecting with people, including people like outside of fitness. I found your ability to pull the parts of sort of high performers and interesting people and find those things that they all have in common uh, enlightening. So I really appreciate it. Thank you, man. Yeah, one thing that I've learned the hard way is that usually the best questions on podcasts and in real conversations are the ones that are not scripted. They're the ones that where I'm just following my genuine curiosity. And it took me, I think, way longer than most to get to a place where I could actually be present enough to stay in tune with what I was curious about and other people. But when anyone is have, like, really genuinely following their curiosity and there's some excitement behind what they're, what they're asking, those usually uh, lead to the most insightful answers. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's underappreciated how difficult it can be to sort of stay in the moment and be authentic with someone and be willing to deviate from your 28-minute script that you've mapped out all the special clips you're going to cut up for social media later on and ask like yeah. something that's actually you know interesting. Mm-hmm. On that, I, I've i gotten the impression, uh, I, I, I know who you are. That's not true. I shouldn't say that. But I know a bunch of stuff about you. I feel like I've known you for 10 years, like watching you do all of these things. And something I've really appreciated is you seem very open, very willing to being open and transparent about your experiences and things you've gone through and things you're experimenting with at the time in an effort to help others kind of to give some value to in my impression give people a step up does that make sense 100 percent. i remember reading the uh it was like four or five years ago at this point but there was a, a letter to my younger self in the morning chalk up which was pretty 
hairy and pretty gritty, um, but really, really sincere. And you're talking about a turning point in your life. And I thought it was, I thought it was cool that you wrote it at all and published in this, what is ostensibly a fitness publication. I mean, you're working in fitness, but being able and willing to put yourself out there and show a side of yourself, which is perhaps challenging, but I suspect that at least one other person out there read it and it kind of reflected with them. Where, where does that instinct to share this stuff come from? It's, it's like I can't not share it <clears throat> for a couple of reasons. One, I think I'm a pretty expressive person. And so if I'm not writing or podcasting or playing music or something like that, I just feel really stifled and bottled up. So there's like a selfish desire just to get get what I have inside of me out. But then there's also something just as deep, maybe deeper in that I feel so like I've 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 experienced so much luck in my life, so much grace from God or the universe. Just things have gone my way. For instance, I was a drug addict as a teenager and my life could have gone to the darkest of places. I could have died or killed someone. And yet I'm sitting where I'm sitting today. I'm very successful. I'm extremely happy. I have an amazing family. And so I just feel like I've been given so much that it is my duty and my joy to give back to people, to share what I've learned that have given me so much freedom Giving, given me so much peace of mind, especially coming from where I've come from. It's like, if I can do, if I can reach a place of inner peace, then you can too. If I can get over my fear of public speaking, then you can too, because I've had fucking panic attacks in front of people. So it's just a feeling of, of duty and not from a, and that doesn't feel like a, a sacrifice or a burden at all. It feels like it's a, a complete joy and a pleasure. It brings meaning to my life to be able to share what I've learned and, and the experiences that have really helped me. Does being able to share those experiences and maybe realize while you're going through it that this will also be value to other, valuable to other people make those experiences more meaningful while you're doing them? Like, does this become an echo chamber as you're doing something interesting or challenging or new? Is there a part of you, because you, you do produce so much stuff, is there a part of you saying, well, this is hard, but I'm going to get to tell other people how hard it was and it won't be quite as hard for them? Gotcha. I don't know if it goes exactly like that, but yeah, there's, there's always a part of me when I'm reading something, when I'm consuming any content and when I'm having any sort of experience there's a part of me that will go to, okay, how can I articulate this to help other people for sure? Um, which I think is, is a good thing in some respects. And, and I also wish I could be more present in, in my experiences. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. It's very hard to do a thing and also be thinking about how you're going to use that thing in the future. I found that even like something as simple as working out, I'm much happier working out with the camera off these days because yeah. I can just focus up. Yeah. You co-founded Brute Strength in 2014? Correct. And one of the things that really impressed me about 
what you built there was I don't think anyone had really done it before or I hadn't noticed people doing it before. You pulled experts from all these different fields and asked them to be experts in their field under sort of the brute umbrella as opposed to this one smart shining coach at the top dispensing knowledge. I say this is a, a one-person company dispensing knowledge and fitness. But I was really impressed that you did that and I feel like it took a fair amount of putting your ego aside so that other people could have better results. What kind of a leap was that deciding to bring all these people in who were, you know, perhaps better at elements than you were? Yeah, I, I appreciate that generous take on what we were doing. I don't think that it was that big of a leap for me because I saw myself as like a, a generalist and a relatively like beginner generalist at that. And I had just come from the, the like high level sport field. I was working at LSU. So working with some of the best athletes on the planet. And so I saw how those athletes were treated. They had a different coach for every aspect of their game. They probably had 10 to 20 different experts, all collaborating and working together to help this athlete succeed. And so it just seemed kind of obvious to me that as CrossFit continued to grow and, and the competition became stiffer and stiffer, eventually the, the landscape would move in the direction of, of these athletes having an expert in everything. So that seemed obvious to me. And then, yeah, it was just like a genuine, I think, humility. Like I just knew that I wasn't the guy that was going to be the best at all of these different disciplines for people. Well, I think you're, you're being a bit modest. Like that, that humility is often hard to come by in the fitness industry, especially at the top of the food chain, especially at the people who are dispensing the programming or claiming to be the expert or things like that. Was there any identity crisis going from that working with elite athletes and being an elite athlete yourself to transitioning to working in a fitness company identity i'm not sure about like a full-on identity i had a i had an identity crisis going from athlete to coach for sure um yeah when i stopped working with athletes myself there was some some part of my ego that just really did not like it i wanted the attention that came with you know being brook Ince's coach or um, i i loved the attention that i got for winning the crossfit games for instance and so there's a part of my ego that that told me i'm less significant I, I bring less value to this company now or to the CrossFit industry in general. So that was present. But what was also present was my interest in the sport was, was waning. And so I just knew in order for us to be as successful as a company as possible, as, as well as for the athletes that we were serving to be as successful as possible, they needed someone that was just... They, there's nothing they would rather do. And so um, we did our best to surround all of our athletes with those people. On that note, because I feel like that that waning interest in CrossFit or waning interest in, in a discipline or the thing they're doing is really going to resonate with people. For athletes and coaches listening to this who are finding out or maybe realized for a while that they, they might not be 100% in love with the thing that they're doing or the road they found themselves on, 
how do you deal with that situation? Because it seems like you've you've changed direction significantly a few times from like elite athlete to brute strength to wag and soul searching, which I want to get to. Like, what is it like to hit that moment where you're on the outside at the top of the food chain, really, really good at this, but you find it might not be what you want to do? First off, it's really freaking uncomfortable. I, I consider myself highly self-aware and very practiced at listening to my intuition and, and living a life that's in alignment with my, my true values. And it's still super uncomfortable. And I, before I, I fully become aware that I'm done with a certain discipline or business or whatever, I'm in denial. I'm hiding from it. I have blind spots just like anyone else. And then what, what, what really helps me is a belief that life is short and I don't want to spend any more time than absolutely necessary doing anything I don't love, you know, and there are exceptions when it comes to putting food on the table for a family. But fortunately, I'm not in that position. Like I have different options that I love in order to put food on my family. And so as soon as I become aware that something is boring or I'm just doing something for the money or the recognition, I'm pretty ruthless about working towards being done with that and finding something or experimenting until I find something that I truly love. Was that a skill that you developed? Because it sounds like a very challenging thing to be able to do, to take that scalpel to your life and say, well, I, I'm 100% sure this isn't working, so we're turning right. on a dime immediately. Yeah, 100%, man. And it helps having being surrounded by people that I feel are doing the same thing. Like when I look around and pretty much all of my closest friends just love what they do, then it's so much easier for me to be willing to let go of the, the thing that may be making me a lot of money, but doesn't really light me up anymore. And yeah, it's been a, it's been a huge learning curve and I've had to get better at this over time. And again, like one of the most important things is just to, is for, was for me to plant my flag and say me loving my career or me really loving whatever hobby it is. Like maybe you're a listener and you've been training for the CrossFit games or one of the big CrossFit events. And you're starting to feel like you, your heart isn't in it anymore. Right. So those types of things too, like if it's any significant um, time of my life, I have to love it. So making it clear in my head that that matters to me, is really important. It's impressive to find someone who has their priorities so clearly in order, because I find that a lot of people struggle with that, even just like setting goals and trying to find the right way forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, thank you for that. And it's not rocket scientists. I just write about this shit a good bit every single year, and I've done this for years. And so when I was first starting to write about my values and do goal setting, it was difficult to get to the first first time or two. And then now it's 
I'm just refining what my values are. And so it just doesn't take as much work. And over time, I don't have to like go back to my my Google doc that I put together on this to remember what matters to me. It's just way, it's just way clearer to me. And writing it down, I think just to highlight something you said for people up out there, that could be incredibly useful, whether or not you plan on sharing with anybody, like actually putting it down and making yourself find the words for it. And knowing that your first draft is going to be wrong, but getting it down and refining and refining and then watching how those things change over time as sort of mission principles can be very helpful guiding you forward. And especially when you hit those roadblocks, when you're like, why don't I feel good? Well, what are my real values? Oh, well, this doesn't align at all. Of course I don't feel good. That's why. Yes, right. So we are always acting out of our values, whether we know it or not. And it can really help to get clear about what we have been valuing in order to potentially change what we want to value. So here's what I mean by that. The best way to see what you have been valuing is, to, and I'm, I'm taking from a mentor of mine, is to look at your calendar and your checkbook. Where are you spending your time and your money, right? You might say family first, but if you're only seeing your kids for eight hours a week and you know, you're spending all of your money at, at the bar or playing poker with friends or I don't know, wherever, then are you, is that your top value or is it number six? And so writing down or, or getting clear about what you have been valuing is a good step. And then in, and then asking yourself in my heart of hearts, what do I want to value? Where do I want to place my time and my attention and my energy? Then so you're planting your flag is like, this is what matters to me. Then you can do all sorts of things around making sure you follow through, checking in on yourself routinely and all of those things. And to the point that you're getting at, when you come to a crossroads, when you come to a place where you have to make a big decision, you can, you've already done the work of reflecting on what, what most matters to you in your life and you can use those values to help guide you. I love that. And that calendar checkbook idea, first of all, I think is simple and brilliant. And it also lets you audit yourself, right? You can go yes. after a week or a month or three months, you know, a period of time where you are trying to make change, just as we would, this, this is sort of one-to-one -one with change, a new fitness program or a new nutrition program or any changing your lifestyle. Well, these are the things I'm going to value. I'm going to do it for four weeks and then go back. And how'd you do? Is it still, you know, 17 hours of poker a month? If that's your top value, that might be great. I am not anti-poker. But if it's supposed to be number eight and it's number two, then we need to refine, refine, refine and schedule it. Right? Write your calendar out for the next month and how you would like it to look. Amen, man. What if people, as someone who has several things going on at once, there's a a lot in the fitness wellness industry of people going all in and going 100% at this one goal, one direction. And I tend to push back against it at least a little bit. I really like people having multiple things that are important to them at the same time. Yes, your fitness can matter, but hopefully you have a relationship that matters and a career or a job that at least you don't hate and is maybe somewhat fulfilling and a hobby that you love. How do you split those things up, those sort of different elements of your life, those different buckets? 
So are you asking how I find and maintain balance in my life? I think so, yes. Is that kind of what you're asking? Like not getting too focused on one thing, but not letting yourself attempt to focus on 170 things. Right. Well, first, I want to acknowledge that I've always been a sampler, right? I, I like to be doing a lot of different things at once, and I think most people are that way. However, there are people that can become hyper-focused and obsessed on a single thing and have a genuine desire to go all in. And a lot of times, those are the people that end up becoming like the best in a field or or something like that. And so I can't necessarily, I can't directly relate to that. Um, but I, in general, I feel like learning to tune into your body and tune into what your intuition is telling you, what your heart is telling you to, to do in, in your life is one of the most underrated and also unquantifiable unquantifiable skills. So the reason I bring that up is if you feel like you genuinely just want to go all in and be an artist, then I encourage you to follow that um, to the extent that you can still put food on the table. How do I do it? Man, a million mistakes and iterations in my calendar and my habits and, and all of those things. Um, and I would say a lot of a lot of reflection. So I'm, I'm constantly asking myself doing like, um, mini audits in my life. And I'm asking myself if I, how I'm doing in my physical health, mental health relationships, etc. And the more consistent I can become at asking myself that and taking taking real time to assess that. And sometimes it might only take five minutes to really assess the different categories of my life. Then I can place some attention there. So I would say, yeah, to answer your question a little more directly, it's, it's been having a process of reflection and I can go into detail around that if you would like, but having a process of reflection and then an attitude of experimentation with myself and patience and just being, yeah, super kind to myself when I get, I get out of balance for the hundredth time this month. You know what I mean? Uh, I very much know what you mean. I am going to take you up in your generous offer. I would love to hear you talk about your, your process of self-reflection. So I have been very inconsistent with this since I had a, a kid. But the thing that I've stuck with most consistently is um, I'm a big journal writer. And so I would put active questions, a set, a series of active questions at the end of each journaling session. So one of the, one of the most successful life, uh, not life coaching, business coaching, um, business coaches of all time, Marshall Goldsmith developed this idea of, of an active question. And it goes simply like this. Did I do my best to dot, dot, dot. So let's say that I'm work. Let's say that I've identified, I need to praise a D my wife more consistently because we've we just know that that's great for our relationship and she really needs that from me. And this is an actual one that I had on my journal for months. The active question was, am I doing my best to praise a D proactively and explicitly? 
and then I would give myself a one to 10 rating. So there's some, some research, I'm not sure if it was done by Marshall or, or others, some research that shows asking this as a question rather than just putting it as a, a prompt, like give yourself a one to 10 rating um, is superior because it leads to a more thoughtful approach. And the one to 10 rating requires me, if I'm not at a 10, to start thinking, okay, then what would get me closer to a 10? And so by do doing that two to three days a week, it's staying on the, on the front of my consciousness. So one thing that I say often that I learned at Burning Man is keep your attention on your intentions to manifest anything in your life. So if I want to just be the type of person that praises my wife more, man, I'm manifesting something new, if I want to create something new, then I have to set that as an intention, as a goal, and then I just have to stay focused on it. If we stay focused on our goals, we're so much more likely to hit them than if I do a New Year's make a New Year's resolution on January 1st, and then I don't think about it again until October 1st. So these active questions that I put in my journal are a way of keeping my attention on my intentions. I highly recommend if you're going to do something like this or you're going to have any sort of self-reflection system for yourself, do it where, do it in a place where you're already spending time. So if you don't have a journaling habit, maybe don't do it there. Maybe you do it via email somehow to yourself, or maybe you just write it. Um, maybe you have prompts on your mirror. Don't, don't try to add too many new habits at once. And that makes it easier, especially with this, you know, you said staying focused on your goal makes it more likely you'll, you'll succeed. But this process of basically constantly auditing, auditing yourself and checking in at least a few times a week, and probably at least slightly course correcting, like maybe once in a while, you go down those questions like, yeah, I am just killing it. But I imagine there's at least one where you're like, mm, we could do a little bit of work here, we're going to slightly course Absolutely. correct and slightly course correct. And that I really like that keeping your attention on your intentions. I have had the impression that you like doing things a little bit differently than the rest of the, the sort of fitness wellness industry. And I mean that as a big compliment. Like, as I said earlier, uh, I found the way brute strength was constructed to be different. Uh, working against gravity has very successfully been a different kind of nutrition company in a lot of ways. You've been very public about trying to be different and really thoughtful in how you uh, carry on your family life and set boundaries. Where do you think this sort of I don't know if it's challenging the status quo, but maybe not following the obvious road forward comes from. Well, thank you again for that. And I think on the more unhealthy side, I've always been rebellious. I've always had, yeah, I've traditionally had trouble with authority and, you know, with my parents, teachers, et cetera. And so as a kid, and even in my early 20s, I was always rebelling against what authority said I should be doing. For, for better or worse, I just, I wanted it to be known that I was autonomous. And so that was more on the unhealthy side. Then as I grew older, 
it has led to what you were saying, just a willingness to challenge the status quo in every single area of life. And as many as many big life decisions as I possibly can. So the way that I parent, the way I uh, engage with my partner, the way that I do business, the way that I think about my own health, I, tr I just try not to believe what is commonly believed just because that's always how it's been. So, you know, so I, it's not like I don't appreciate tradition at all. I, I appreciate the hell out of some traditions and I just want to I just want to put everything under the microscope and see if that's actually how I want to live my life. And it's it served me extremely well. Asking and those one, questions. Go ahead. I was just going to I was just going to give a nod to like mentors and role models that have really sparked this in me. You know, I've come across people in different areas of my life that were doing this to the nth degree. And I yeah, even more than I, I was. And they showed me, oh, you can, you can think about your relationship that way, or you can think about running a business that way. Um, yeah, just, just people have really opened my eyes to different possibilities. And that's often where the best ideas come from. Certainly most experiences I've had, if we're in a room or a situation or an institution, and the reason we're doing something is because we've always done it that way, there's probably several things going wrong with that. It's grown stale or ineffective or people don't believe it, but are just doing it out of habit rather mm -hmm. than because it's actually something that is moving them toward a meaningful goal or giving them any kind of fulfillment. Agreed. On that autonomy, I would love to talk about Soul Searching Adventures, which is your latest, as far as I know, you're, unless you've started another company while I was setting up this recording. <laughs> you are correct. Uh, yeah. Would you tell people a little bit about what Soul Searching Adventures is? Yeah, I take men and soon men and women on epic outdoor trips and do deep introspective work with them. So, for instance, backpacking trips, rock climbing trips, where we're hiking in a big loop or out and back over the course of five to seven days. And along the way, I'm asking questions, prompts, and giving, giving exercises for people to write about or contemplate on their own. And then we come together over and over to share about what's coming up. And the theme is around things that are most sacred to us. And I had a, uh, a friend of mine gave me a good definition for the word sacred. He said, what is sacred is what tugs at our heartstrings. So the questions are all around the things that matter most to us, that oftentimes we just don't give our ourselves a lot of time to really think about and contemplate. And um, yeah, so that's, that's what they are. When I first heard about this, I have to, I have to admit I was a little put off at first when I just heard the, the one sentence description. For me, like a lot of all men's institutions have a somewhat negative con connotation. And this is partly just my growing up, but I've, I went to an all boys school and was a, a member of several groups. And there were a lot of, and I think there's probably plenty of well-documented men's gatherings that are sort of a lot of ego contests and false bravado and certainly totally, a lot of anti-woman sentiment. And I was nervous that this was going to be sort of a I'm sure you know who Robert Bly is. I don't know if my listeners do, but you can go I look do. up. Yeah, a poet I do. Who did a thing like this, but 
my impression is, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you are Robert Bly did these these all men gatherings, but it was very much designed toward the discover your ferocity and discover your audacity, and men have grown too soft, and that's why there quote unquote aren't enough good men in the world. I get the impression that you're doing taking people to these places and helping them sort of connect with things that really matter with them and maybe a more emotional and sensitive way than they might expect it first. How close am I? Then they in a more emotional way than they might expect it first. Yeah, I would agree with all of that. That's exactly right. And I love it. I love this idea. It was, it was really pleasant to realize what was actually going on. And I think it's sort of remarkable. What sort of folks come on a, a soul searching adventure five to seven days in the middle of nowhere with you? In general, men that are longing to understand themselves more deeply, they, they usually have questions like really deep questions. Like what is my, what is my purpose in life? And what is, what is my calling in terms of my career? Or how can I be a better partner or son? And some people just feel kind of stuck or, yeah, they feel stuck. Quite a few men feel stuck and like they're meant for more, but they don't know how to approach it. And then lastly is there's a very common thread of men wanting to connect more deeply with other men and go beyond just meeting up to watch ball games or play a sport and a develop some awesome relationships with the men on the trip and then learn some skills for how to do that with the men already in their life or how to attract um, higher quality men into their lives. That's a really interesting aspect of it, attracting higher quality men. Uh, and that certainly appeals to me. No offense to any of the men I know out there, but uh, just what I, referencing what I said earlier, there's been some challenging experiences. Does this correlate at all with your addiction recovery practices? Because I, I believe I read something about you spending a fair amount of time outdoors and that was a, a part of it. Is that true? Yeah, so this is this whole thing is full circle for me. So my first rehab was a wilderness therapy program in Utah. And this, yeah, again, this is very similar to what I experienced. And we've already talked about you have some experience sort of feeling stuck and not wanting, not wanting to keep going in the direction you're going and have developed these sort of systems to figure out how to get yourself unstuck. Is it, is there any... We talked about abandoning ego a little bit earlier. Is there any ego associated with being the person who's going to take these folks out for a week and, and teach them how to be better men and better fathers and better partners? 100%, man. And it's because I'm, I'm a human being, right? Like if, if I had no ego associated with it, then I would be enlightened and maybe meditating in a, in a forest somewhere. So yeah, there certainly is. And it's something that I'm constantly trying to be aware of taking. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm always trying to remove my, my own validation from my coaching, which is something that 
um, was not present for me as a, as a young coach at all. I wanted every person that I was working on a snatch with to just know how fucking good of a coach I was. And I would let you know by pointing out 50 things that you were doing wrong. So you knew how much knowledge I had. And so, yes, I have some ego. I want, I want people to have life-changing experiences and go and talk about it. I want them to think of me as a world-class leader and coach um, for sure. And it's something that I'm, I'm constantly working on and, and trying to be aware of when I'm working with people. I love that. And for any of the coaches out there, just to, to highlight that, I like saying, and I'm sure I didn't coin this, I got it from somewhere, but the athlete gets all of the credit for their successes and the coach, Great. it's always the coach's fault when something goes wrong or doesn't work. On that, I'm really interested. You're taking people who are in some sort of challenging state, right? They've come to you. I imagine this costs a significant amount of money to come hang out with you for a week. What if at the other end, they, they're not better or they don't get exactly what they experienced or they don't feel unstuck? As a coach who's doing something different than you, but I certainly work with people and we talk about emotions a lot. I feel like that could be really challenging. So first off, to, to clarify, most of the men that come on these trips, I wouldn't say are feeling significantly challenged. Um, most of these people would consider themselves and most, most would consider them quite successful in, in all or, or, or most areas of life. And they're just longing for more depth in one or more areas. Then to answer your question, it's common for people to have a very specific thing that they want to get out of a trip. For instance, one guy knows that he wants to leave his, his current career and start something new, but he doesn't, he was hoping to get clarity on that on a, on a recent trip. And when he left, he said, I didn't get really any clarity on that, but what I got was so much more important. And it was around relationships and around his uh, sense of self, his relationship to his self, and finally, these trips and, and my style of coaching, if you will, are not like a ton of teaching. It's not me giving a bunch of content. One, one, one thing that I'm always trying to hold in my mind that I learned from some of my teachers is that every person I'm working with already has his answers inside of him. And my role is to hold space and create the context for him, to, for those answers to come out of him. And so it's a high level of respect for each person, but also I'm giving them the responsibility for coming to their own aha moments and their own insights. And so <clears throat> yeah, I've never had a situation where someone didn't I don't know, like really felt like they didn't get something valuable. Um, and on top of that, like they, they feel like they're building their own self-esteem because they're generating their ideas and their insights themselves. And sometimes I'm there to challenge them or offer them a new perspective, which can be helpful. Um, and I really just lean on the, the, the belief that there's a divine nature in every human being and if I, 
if I create enough, help them create enough space from the distractions and their responsibilities, et cetera, give them some silence and some solitude, some good questions, that that clarity will come online for them. That's lovely. And that's a very empathetic approach that I, I resonate with deeply, like the ability to create some space and hand someone the tools. And then I think maybe most importantly, don't dictate exactly where they're going to go. You're not setting their goals. You're not setting the outcome necessarily. And it sounds like you're not setting, you're not saying this is the best kind of man. We are trying to create this sort of person. This is the pinnacle of what we're reaching for. It is your pinnacle. And we're going to try and create some space. And I have these excellent tools you can work with. And we're going to reveal more and more about who you are. And then we'll celebrate that and take you to your best goal. 100%, man. I love it. Uh, Michael Kaju, this has been an absolute joy. Thank you for coming on the Feel Strong podcast. Likewise, man. I've had a blast. Thank you. Time for plugs. You do an awful lot of stuff. I will certainly say if you aren't already, you should listen to the Michael Kaz podcast. But where would you like people to go? Yeah, that's a great one. I also put out a biweekly newsletter called the Friday Exhale. And you can subscribe to that at michaelkazcaz.com. And if you're interested in, in learning more about the trips, you can go to www.soulsearchingadventures.com and you can either apply or you can just reach out to me if you have questions before, for, before doing so. And to highlight something you said earlier, sometime soon these trips will include women? Yes, Adi and I are going to do one, I think, next May. So a little over a year from now, we're going to do a co-ed one, our first co-ed together. So cool. I can't wait to see what comes of that. Thanks, brother. Thank you again so much for coming on. It's really been a joy. Thanks, Justin. Thank you so much for listening to the Feel Strong Fitness Podcast. If you want to reach out about solving your fitness problems, find us on Instagram at feelstrongfit. You can also apply to get started now on our website, feelstrong.me. Subscribing, rating, and sharing this podcast is an enormous help and has more impact than you know. Thank you for doing that if you can. If you feel stuck, if you know where you want to go but you aren't sure how to get there, reach out. It's what we do.